0: So the big question is this, how are ambitious people like us who don't have a lot of resources, did not go to Ivy League colleges, were not born into wealth, how do we become resourceful enough? Use our creativity, our dedication, and a little bit of crazy to bootstrap our way to realizing our dreams. Whether it is launching a new company, launching a new app, or making it to the top of the corporate ladder. That is the question. And this podcast will give you the answers. Hello and welcome to this new episode of Bootstrapping Your Dreams show. I'm your host, Manu Jagarwal. And today we will be talking with Bass, who is the founder and chief strategist of Above Promotions, which is a digital marketing, public relations and promotions company in Tampa, Florida. She's also the author of the book titled Because You Are Small, Effective Marketing Strategies for Immediate Implementation and a marketing instructor for Jolt headquarters in uh, Tel Aviv, Israel. Uh, for over 15 years and uh, 80 plus brands, uh, she has worked uh, with companies for uh, names such as at and AAA, AOL, uh, Verizon, and smaller national and international organizations, and large nonprofits such as University of South Florida. So welcome, Vaz. We are excited to have you.
1: Hi, thank you.
0: Alright, so just to kick things off, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and your background and experience so that we can get to know you better?
1: Okay, well, my name is Ebony Vaz, as mentioned, and basically my path is a little bit different than a lot of people, but I think um, it's coming to be a little bit more common now. So I have an industrial engineering and um, tech background in information security, and um, So this path for me moved towards marketing um, well over a decade ago, just trying to help people get their dreams, Mm -hmm. you know, meet their dreams, understand how to enter the marketplace and tell stories and do better uh, with communicating that to people. And so my journey started off with me, just doing uh, side projects while I work my corporate job until going full-time for myself. So I always tell people, you know, your path doesn't have to be quit today. Your path could be, I learn on the job as I go. So my journey is a little bit different. My husband tells me I am Forrest Gump because I've had 20 different uh, lifetimes, (laughs) (laughs) but um, I've, I've had a good Experience doing a lot of different things, and so for me right now, the focus is growing our business and helping companies to use marketing technology
0: um, in a way to help them grow. Awesome, that's great. So let's start with your book uh, because you're small. So why don't you tell us a little bit about that, and uh, how do you, you know, what are some of the core uh, core techniques or frameworks that you uh, teach in that book? Mm
1: So I started the book because I was always getting questioned by small businesses. How can I market my company? You know, they think if I run my company from my home or from a coffee shop that I can't compete With larger companies that have larger budgets. And so that's why I wrote the book. And so the book was to give people the resources so that way, not that they have to pretend like they're more than they are, but that they can present themselves, that they are equipped to be able to do the same type of work as their counterparts that are larger. And so that's really the basic of the book is helping businesses because they're small, they're able to quickly implement these changes as to where big companies can't do that. So that's really what the book centers around. Um, I cover and, you know, just sort of small things from getting a a phone line and how to set up your phone line to setting your your leads and Mm -hmm. how to really think through your email strategy and things of that nature. So it's really a way for a business that feels overwhelmed because they know they have to do a lot, uh, but to help them to feel confident, to be able to compete in the marketplace
0: that's cool yeah i mean it's so true like large companies they have uh, to deal with a lot of bureaucracy and a lot of red tape and they take a lot of time to implement small things as well whereas small businesses have an advantage because they can make a decision and implement it right away so that's awesome yeah uh, they do yeah small
1: businesses really can win in that aspect so and, and I, I think that by the end of the book people feel like better like i'm, I'm a small business but it's okay
0: yeah like yeah yeah That's cool. So now, uh, you know, looking at the other side of the spectrum, uh, do you think there is any stigma attached to small businesses?
1: I think there are because... For instance, let's say you're a restaurant and you are a family-ran restaurant and something happens in your family or um, there's a jewelry store near me that's a family-owned and I wanted to get my battery and my watch replaced, but they're on like vacation for three weeks. (laughs) So when you have like a small business that will close Unlike a large chain that's going to keep running, they're going to be there every single day, seven days a week, all these hours are different. You know, that sometimes gives people a bad impression. Like, well, I want to shop and I want to support this business, but they're closed right now. Um, Even though I sympathize with them because they had to go pick up their kids because that's what the note says on the door. You know, I, I think that, oh, man, I should have just went to a big box store instead of going to a small chain so I think there is a bit of a stigma sometimes mm-hmm. um, people don't understand that there is a little bit slight dynamics but I think right now we're in this world of on-demand I have to have it right now right now right now. and if a small business can't do it right now then yeah there is a stigma that says they can't do it at all which is it's unfortunate it's like extreme right it's not like we mm-hmm. can't do it you just can't do it at this time yeah, so there's a bit of a stigma
0: So how do you overcome that stigma?
1: You know, what I really try to help customers do, and that's why I focus a lot on the marketing technology and stack. What can we do to continue to allow customers, especially for business to consumers, to be able to still feel like they can communicate with the brand. Even if they communicate with a chat bot online that goes back and forth and narrows down some things and it tells the person at the end of the chat that, I can't help you specifically, but I've elevate, escalated this up to the right person that tomorrow morning you're going to get a call first thing in the morning. And then when you honor that, that makes a person feel good. So there are ways that you can get around it. And that's why we like to really focus on um, whether it's artificial intelligence or you know just setting up good common sense business practices and communicating. Mm-hmm. So like if I if your company does have to close, your restaurant has to close, your store has to close early, the mm-hmm. same way you tell people about the sales, go back online to yeah. your social media pages, go back to your email accounts where you send out these sales and let people know. It's about communication and there's ways to get around being small. You just have to know how to
0: utilize technology
1: to say to do it.
0: That's cool. All right. So I'll uh, take uh, an incident that you mentioned in your book uh, where you and your friend uh, were thinking about going to a restaurant and she was not too enthusiastic because she hadn't uh, read any comments or reviews on the restaurant. So uh, tell us a little bit about that story.
1: I mean, I think that story, and even that just happened recently, right? I was out with some friends again, and a new store, our new restaurant had just opened, and we're like, oh, let's go support. But we couldn't find... Like, we couldn't find the menu online. No one had posted any reviews. They hadn't claimed their business listing. So, I mean, that story from that book is still even true today. And I'm, I'm really surprised that businesses, I mean, Google gives you a lot of free ways to put your business out there and just the basics of putting your menu there and putting your times and your location there. Businesses still aren't doing that. I mean, so it's, it's kind of sad, but I hope they catch on. But yeah, like I said, that's that. it's, it's so funny you said that because that just happened last weekend. Trying <laughs> to convince some friends to go out and try a new restaurant
0: uh uh-huh. yeah i mean the as you said like you know uh, small businesses have so many other things to take care of sometimes they forget uh you know these tools are available and they are free and very easy to use so i think uh, they do need uh, some guidance and perhaps a little bit of time to catch up um yes. but uh, so anyway mo- moving on so uh, you know you uh, you also said uh, something along the lines of in order to be successful uh, and grow your business you'll need to attract uh, and retain a large client base so if you're a small business or you're launching a new company how do you uh, find your first few clients
1: mm-hmm.
0: so one of the things that I always work with clients and doing
1: is creating um, you'll hear marketers talk about that customer avatar that target demographic and that's one of the classes that I teach um, on hitting a target demographic but you have to know specifically who you need to talk to like people always want to say who are your, your customers. When I ask them who your customer, they're like, everybody, no, everybody's not your customer. Mm -hmm. So if we try to talk to everybody, you're going to get really frustrated, burned out. You're probably going to quit close your business because you're not talking to the right people. And that's what we want to prevent from happening, right? We want to prevent you from talking to the wrong people, get you to the right people. So focusing in, if I have a car wash, detailing company yeah. then I need to say what kind of cars do I want to detail do I want to detail high-end cars so in that's the case I can go into um, you know there's different uh, resources where you can go to even the public library at least here has it where you can go and get a list of who is um, what zip codes have certain incomes. Mm-hmm. And then you start to target that. Because if you said, I'm one of mobile detail Porsche cars, then maybe you need to go to the Porsche dealership and make friends with the Porsche dealership and you know, advertise in that way. But you really have to narrow down. So when people say, how can I find my first clients? You have to create in your head and on paper who your ideal client is. And when you're a business-to-business type of company, you need to think about who is my decision maker that I need to talk to or my gateway keeper. Who do I need to talk to first? Do I need to get to know um, the person that's a director before getting to know the chief or the vice president of a certain department? Cool. So you really need to hone down in on who you need to talk
0: to. Awesome. Now, uh, I have seen this uh, many times that you know uh, you're absolutely right. Most people, they think that they want to target everyone and they want to market everyone and obviously the message gets diluted but I think um, you know on the contrary like it's also very difficult it's almost like a science or an art to come up with the right message come up with the right avatar so do you follow any framework or methodology to actually narrow down and hone in your message and and your target audience Mm -hmm.
1: so let's take it from a business uh, to business type of company that's what sure. your frame our company is set up as then sure. let's take a look at the industry first mm-hmm. then let's take a look at their revenue
0: uh-huh. and
1: let's take a look at where they're located within a certain uh, geographical area and let's take a look at what type of projects that they take on mm-hmm. um, as you start to narrow down like this you'll eventually get down to who is the person that I need to speak to to make the decision? Um, because some companies, if you sell from business to business, they you want to go and try to get a hundred thousand dollar contract, and the company didn't even make a hundred thousand dollars in revenue last year, yeah. right? So you really do. My framework is take it big and make it small, right? So, and even with consumers, you want to do the same thing. If I want to sell um, cheap. Uh, crayons (laughs) for kids to color, then I don't need to try to go sell to the audience that shops at Nordstrom's, right? Maybe I need to go find the audience that consistently shops around the dollar stores that are around the area and focus in that way. And what do they look like? What age group, you know, who has, you know what, you don't sell crayons to a 70 year old, right? Because they might buy it occasionally for their grandkids when they come over, but they're not the person who's going to be buying it all the time. So you have to start to like take it big and make it small. And then once you make it small, you can then craft the message, appropriately because even just like you said a few minutes ago the message becomes diluted if we try to talk to everybody it'll just go right over their head like they'll completely miss it if you try to talk to the wrong person
0: yeah that's true um now one of the things that you mentioned was the the location geographical location of your target customer but you know we are living in a digital world a lot of companies they actually maybe have a you know a good customer avatar but they are spread across multiple geographical regions, maybe Middle East, maybe Asia, maybe North America so um, is there a way that they can sort of you know uh, hone in the message and still be able to target people in different geographies which may have, who may have like different languages and different cultures different backgrounds
1: well I, I think you still I, I think you, you you answered it, but then it 's still there right because you have to hone it in um, the messaging is totally different like. And, you know, I like to travel internationally. And when you go from country to country, they do business differently. They talk differently, right? The English language is written how many different ways? So you have to be able to understand the culture of a person when you start thinking about different geographies. Because um, I'll say, for instance, like... In the South, we have Southern tea, what they call, which is an iced tea, which has sugar in it. But when you go up North, iced tea doesn't have sugar in it. You have to ask for tea. So if I'm in the tea business and I want to put sugar in my tea, I need to know that the people in the South are probably the ones that are going to purchase it more than the people in the North because they're used to sugar in the tea. So you still have to kind of know who your audience is and break it down. And- Um, It's not to say you can't sell southern tea in the north, but you have to know who to target because maybe at that particular point in time, I'm targeting people who may have been transplanted to that area, who used to live in the south and moved up north. So there is While we, I love the fact, I love, I love the fact that we have the internet and we can sell around the globe and talk to people in different countries, you still have to know who you're targeting so that you can craft that message appropriately.
0: Cool. Um, All right. So uh, now, you know, obviously coming up with a good customer avatar is uh, very important, but there are some other mistakes that people make while launching their company, running their business, growing their business. Uh, Can you share with us any typical mistakes that you've observed your clients or small businesses make while trying to grow their business? Mm
1: -hmm. So I will, I, I, there's one thing that I share with people whenever I do presentations before I even get into the nuts and bolts of marketing and Mm -hmm. it's to talk to entrepreneurs about who did they create the business for Uh because some small businesses get into business because they they don't want a boss but they forget that their clients are their boss Mm -hmm. right and so now they've created this company that feels good for them but it doesn't feel good for anybody else yeah, and they can't get any customers. So you have, who did you create the, the business for? That's the question that I ask audiences all the time. Who did you create the business for? Because if you create it for yourself, more than likely you would probably fail. <laughs> because at the end, the money gets exchanged more easily when you're giving something to somebody they want. It doesn't matter if they need it or not, you know, but if, do they want it? And you can't do that if you're creating something that only you like. You have to think about the marketplace and who your customer is. And that is a problem that I usually end up finding is that, you know, I've helped businesses. Um, I helped a retail, a uh, small retail location that opened up one location. They're looking up to do a second one, but they were purchasing things in the retail location that they liked. <laughs> and they wanted, was wondering why things weren't selling. And they wanted to move another location to the other part of town well, guess what you 're selling things that you want, maybe things that you want in your home, but that doesn 't mean that I want it in my home <laughs> yeah, exactly. so I, I always start with that question and that 's the biggest mistake that I see that people think about crafting and creating their business based off yeah. of what they want and not what the customer wants
0: yeah um, it 's so true it 's so interesting i've uh, i 've seen similar uh, issues and uh, you know I work with tech startup founders and I see similar issues they They try to build things that they want, but not uh, what their customer wants.
1: Yeah, the marketplace didn't ask for it. And sometimes that works out okay because, you know, we think about it, the marketplace didn't ask for the iPod, but we got it and we liked it, right? So (laughs) sometimes it works, but most of the time it does not work.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I'm sure Apple has their own ways to figure out exactly yeah. what they, what people want. So, um, and, and, you know, they do things differently slightly anyways. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, now let's move on. So, uh, in, uh, one of your other quotes, uh, which I find very interesting, you compared business owners to parents, uh, in that they know they are not perfect with their kids, but they don't want to hear that from anybody else. So can you tell us a little bit about that? <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, it's very hard to get criticism about your baby, you know, that nobody, I was talking to a founder the other day and he said it so perfectly. He says, no one wants to hear that their baby is ugly. No one wants to hear that their baby has this problem, um, that their baby's not fast enough, smart enough, agile enough. No one wants to hear that. And that's the thing is that, and and it's nothing wrong with having that complete ownership over your business. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you do have to take in and and learn from other people and experts. I mean, it is hard because a lot of people deem themselves as experts, but um, in the end of the day, you do have to think, um, you know, how can I grow my baby? What is the best thing for my baby? Do I grow it up in only how I want to see the girl, or do I take a look at how it needs to grow? And so I think like the type of parenting decisions that parents have to make, you kind of have to do the same thing with your business. You have to think, well, is this something that needs to happen? Will this help it grow? Um, and then additionally you know, sometimes you're a parent with your employee. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: yeah. you know, you do have to be like that person where you have to step back and see things a little bit differently and you can't uh, play favorites with your employees too. But in general, it's, it's that closeness that you have. And when you birth that business, you are like, I don't want to hear anything bad about it. And that's the struggle. That's a struggle for a lot of entrepreneurs.
0: For sure. So now, uh, you know, when you work with, uh, business owners or, you know, even, even in my case, I have experiences, you know, when I work with, uh, business owners and when I tell them, Hey, you know, what you're doing may not be the right thing for you. Uh, they get defensive and sometimes they don't listen. Have you, uh, Run into this type of situation before
1: yes um, <laughs> I have and I, I was talking with some colleagues of mine a couple of months ago and um, I've gotten to the point now where I don't dig my heels in as much as I did when I started so mm-hmm. before I was the type of person that wanted to drag the customer with me kicking and screaming to the right answer so now it's like I present it and they say, well, this is what I believe to be the answer. But if you believe what you're saying and what you're thinking is better than the solution, then I, you know, we will go ahead and try it the way you believe we can do it. Yeah. And then usually in some way when we're talking, they start to like step back and think about, okay, like, you know what, I did hire someone else to come in because I was too close and I couldn't see it. So they started to step back. But yeah, it was a learning process for me because yeah, I did, I was like, no, because if you don't get it, you're gonna drown. You're gonna close your business in two months. Let's go, you gotta follow me. But I I can't, like mentally, I just can't drag people with me anymore. But I do find just in having that conversation about the options of if you do it this way, what can happen, and once they start thinking about, well, if this is the end result, if it, this is not the end result, and they start thinking in that manner, it becomes a little bit easier to get them to go in the right direction.
0: Sure. Yeah. All right. So uh, now uh, the, the name of the show is Bootstrapping Your Dream. So, and you specialize working with small businesses. Now, what do you think about the idea of bootstrapping businesses? How easy it is to... Uh, you know, bootstrap your business without taking in huge risks or raising huge amount of money?
1: Mm-hmm. You know what, I think that every business should be focused on revenue, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a struggle because I know a lot of VCs, I do, I do, I do. And I know that sometimes in fundraising, there's this part of them that will kind of, stifle the business from really pushing forth with revenue. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But um, I'm a revenue first person. I believe that, you know, when you can put the sales first, and you are proving your concept over and over, the more sales you get, you're proving that concept even stronger, you're being able to grow. Um, it's not to say that I don't think that people may not need to take off like a small like loan to get them through, like maybe you need more. You got a big uh, order that came in and you need to buy the inventory to fulfill the order. And you need to take a loan. I, I, I don't have a problem with that. And I'm not against fundraising. But the problem I do see with a lot of funders, because I, I, you know, I talk to a lot of uh, founders, mm-hmm. is that they're so focused on fundraising, they're not focused on revenue. And yeah. fundraising is a full-time and a half job. Exactly. Like you can't be to, like if you, especially if you're a solo Doing this, trying to fundraise, everything else gets on the back end. So how is your business going to grow, your team, who's going to lead them? So um, I think that fundraising, especially if if you're just starting out, that shouldn't be your first goal. Like proving that concept, creating a great product, that needs to be your first goal. That's my opinion. <laughs> I, I know it's I not, not popular.
0: <laughs> yeah, I could not agree more. Um, yeah, I mean that's what I uh, tell my clients and my you know whoever comes to me for advice. So I am fully aligned with that, and I understand it's not the popular opinion. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, uh, I think it's it's the right way to go. But in any case, uh, moving on. So in your uh, in your practice, you emphasize on business storytelling. And science and technology, which seems like you know they are two opposite uh, ends of uh, of a magnet. So, how do you align them? How do you put them in one package and you know uh, uh, work, make them work uh, cohesively?
1: Yeah. So I like to use data. I like to get into data, see where the numbers are at. Um, if you have an existing client base, what are they buying? You know, what motivates them to purchase at the time that they do purchase? What's motivating them to not purchase when they're not purchasing? So just getting into that data part, um, I think, helps you to craft a better story. Mm -hmm. And then I utilize the technology on how to deliver that to them. And then also how to collect the data. So we have a tool that we use that if we were working with the retailer, um, it will take a Wi-Fi camera that's in the venue and it can count the number of people, whether they're male, female, their age group, um, and the sentiment that they're feeling. So we can take that solution and then collect data on the people who are coming into a space. That gives us a good idea as to what products they like, what products they don't, do they like this environment, do they hang around this area of the store or the venue at all. Um, But being able to take that data and either push for even more sales in the things they like, or push for getting them to consider some of the things they hadn't even considered before. So it really does work together, whether it's you need to go and collect the data, to make the decisions to create the story or you look at your existing data to see how you can shift the story around. Um, uh, but it all works together. Um, and it's funny is because that was one of the things that I, I fought with and trying to figure out how to come up with that formula and that balance within the first few years of my business. Um, but now it, it, it just, it's a part of our formula and, and how we work with our clients.
0: That's awesome. Uh, uh, now you know storytelling is obviously is part of our uh, civilization for a long time, but how do you uniquely use this skill of storytelling and help it uh, help grow business uh, through that?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, being able to tell a story is crucial. Mm-hmm. How long you tell it is crucial, um, what you start and end with is crucial. And I love, though, that people are finally understanding their power of storytelling, and I have to say it's because of the increased use of video, right? When you think about like people going live, you think about TEDx or TED Talks, you know, video has been helping to craft the story. And when you start to look at how even the news and the media are telling stories they everybody is looking at what is going on right now um before people would sit down and they would relax and they would watch the news and that was a big deal you know in their household this is the time of this time was watching the news but now we have so much stuff going on. We've yeah. got news flying on our feeds, on social media. And so now, if you're trying to tell a story, how are you telling it? How quickly are you telling it? And it's become so important now. It's forced us to hone that craft and how to tell a story. So I always say what the storytelling is, what's the end result? What do I want people to walk away with? And if I know what I want people to walk away with, that helps me to start uh, to craft a story. And it's funny, is because... Um, I will work on, um, as a creative director, telling stories via video. And I was talking to a team member earlier today and I said, it's funny, is because I came up with the end of the video. Now we have to come up with the rest of it. I agree, I agree. <laughs> but that's, you know, it, that's how, once I understand what is that last feeling I want people to walk away with, it gets me to shift back to the beginning. Like, where do I want the story to start? How do I need to get to the end so that I need to focus on that middle part? Um, so if I think about the end in mind, that usually helps me. But I think that's kind of like a, a tell of even how to do business and how do you meet your um, quarterly goals, right? What's my end result I want to do? How am I going to get there? So you back up and you start thinking about how will you get to that end result of that goal
0: yeah cool all right uh now there's a, a a quote i think maybe you're familiar with it failure lets you move on mediocrity stalls you and keeps you from reaching your potential so i know you have some uh thoughts about that so can you tell us you know what do you think about mediocrity and failures mm-hmm. yeah
1: you know I, everybody there's just you know that saying in the tech and star space feel fast. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's some merit to it, you know. Of course, you want to try to think things through. You want to be the best. And to be the best, you have to overcome being mediocre. You can't just put out just anything. Mm -hmm. But I always found, like, I am appreciative of my failures. I'm appreciative of the things that don't go right at the moment that they don't go right. Because what I think about is, had I waited to learn that lesson months from now, What it would have cost me. And so if I think at, you know, a failure is um, like the saying is, I just figured out how not to do it, you know, how not to get something done. So if you look at it in that manner, Um, okay was a business owner I realized that you know they don't need this particular software they don't need this particular product so I learned this let's move on we're pivoting going in a whole different direction because I'm listening to what the market has to say so that's kind of my thoughts on you know failure and mediocrity is because when you're always thinking about what's the best thing to do um, it is kind of hard to completely fail and you just figure out the wrong way to do something (laughs)
0: Yeah, that's for sure. Now, uh, you know, talking a little bit about your own personal life, uh, you are also a social activist. So can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: It's so funny. I don't know how to put that title on me, but yeah, I guess so. I, I mean, I, I think I'm I'm more of a people person. At the end of the day, I want people to be treated fairly, equally. Um, so I do um, write a column on diversity and technology, and I do participate in. Um, Workshops and trying to encourage diversity. Um, just did a workshop with some colleagues of mine and um, one of the local county offices on trying to make sure that uh, the older population, um, that you know minorities, uh, have an understanding of projects that are coming up the innovation that's coming up and how they can plug into it so i I guess it is a social activist i don't know but i just i feel like if there's a way to level the playing field um to an extent i know we're all not going to succeed but um i think everybody has a chance to get a fair shot and that's kind of what i want to do and so i I try to do that even with the group of um minorities and populations and marketing that we get together once a month, um, just so we can make sure that our knowledge base is on par and we're able to perform, and excel in the marketplace. So I think I guess it could be called considered social activism, but you know, I I, I just I don't know. I, I think that if I can leave the world a little bit better than how I got here. I'm good.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a very noble cause, and thanks a lot for doing that. And also, thanks a lot for coming onto the show and sharing all your wisdom and knowledge with us. Now, before I let you go, can you tell us how people can reach out to you and uh, contact you?
1: Yes. So our website is abovepromotions.com and you can find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Facebook. And I am always open to connecting with people on LinkedIn. Um, so feel free to look for me. You can find me at Ebony Bass on LinkedIn.
0: Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This is fun. Thanks. Thanks. And now, if you are an existing or an aspiring technology entrepreneur, then I invite you to check out my new online workshop, Bootstrapping Your Tech Startup Dreams. Go to go.tetranoodle.com boot hyphen podcast and sign up for free. I want to make sure more successful and sound decisions are made every day in your tech projects. Let's start finding solutions to your problems. So go to go.tetranoodle.com slash boot hyphen podcast, and I look forward to helping you with your tech startup.